It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On today's Cape Wonder Superman podcast, a very special edition and a special guest, we have lots of Superman movie memorabilia. And today we're talking with the CEO of Prop Store of London, Stephen Lane, about the incredible selection of Superman props in this December's auction. Now, the Cape Wonder Superman podcast with Jay Towers and Jim Bowers on iHeartRadio. This is a special edition of the Cape Wonder Superman podcast in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Jay Towers, and as always in Las Vegas, my friend Jim Bowers, as we welcome you, Jim, to this episode, and really exciting because we're talking to a guy that we just admire so much, and we admire his business so much. We do, and we've known Stephen Lane a long time. He started Prop Store a number of years ago, and in fact, I first started talking to Stephen way before Prop Store, so this is really exciting to be able to get with you today, Stephen, and talk about some fantastic items you've got in your upcoming auction in December. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jay. It's, it's a real pleasure to be here with you guys. And uh, yeah, Jim, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I mean, I started Prop Store in 1998. I think uh, you, you and I were probably talking in the mid-90s sometime when that sort of first cache of uh, Superman items came out of Pima Studios, I think it was. And uh, and that's when we were we were first in discussions, wasn't it? Is that all right? Does that sound that's good to you? Right. In fact, it was the end of 1997. Here we go. And it was approaching the holidays. And I remember uh, talking with you on the phone and uh, going back and forth for a while and uh, finally receiving a fantastic box of Superman production photographs and contact sheets and Polaroids. It was a really exciting time. And I really appreciate the opportunity because this has been uh, great to be able to share all of this for over 18 years now on capewonder.com. So thank you. Amazing. Well, I love that. I mean, that's what Prop Store is all about. It's about putting the collector together with the artifact. You know, I, as you guys know, I've been collecting for some 30 years now myself. And, uh, you know, I'm as, as passionate today as I was back then. And I love the fact that you've still got some of those, some of those pieces that, um, that we dealt with. And it was sort of pre-internet almost around that sort of time. I was just on the cusp of people emailing info backwards and forwards, but a lot of phone conversations then as well, which is great. Oh, definitely. I have everything that you sent me and uh, I cherish it so much. We've done a lot of scanning and photo restoration. So it's been a great uh, uh, passion and uh, labor of love for me since photography is what I do and what I love. Yeah, I've seen some of those photos pop up from time to time on your Facebook feeds, I think. And uh, every now and again, I'm like, I think that might have come from me back in the day. You know, it's, it's lovely to see them again. Oh, it likely did, especially the rarest stuff, which I know the fans really eat that up. They are always uh, asking me, what else do you have? And uh, I seem to <laughs> be able to discover new things. And that's the neat thing about all of this is the, uh, you're constantly discovering something new as you learn more about the production as you go along, talking to people in the UK and all, all over the world that have either worked on the film or new people that did. You uh, re, uh, revisit these images and you realize you're seeing more stuff than, uh, than you ever realized before. So uh, I love uh, 
these constant uh, discoveries, if you will, and uh, learning more about what it took to bring these films to the silver screen. And I, you know what? I think, uh, sorry, Joe, you're not getting a word in here, man. But uh... Oh, good. I, listen, I, I like to become a listener during these things too, but I, I'll jump in in a minute. <laughs> I, I was just saying a minute ago to Jay, actually, you're fair that, uh, you know, for me, it's one of the, uh, the most pleasurable aspects of, um, of my work. You know, today, Prop Store is uh, cumulatively 35,000 square feet of space in London and Los Angeles. We have over 50 full-time staff for us. It means, you know, a lot of my day is taking up with running a business and ensuring I can pay the bills and admin. But I love nothing more than unearthing some of these treasures, you know, and having these things come to light and going on the journey of discovery and then also being part of their on onward journey as well, you know, where they go to next and the homes they end up in. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I love the communities that are built up around the props and costumes as well because it is, it is that sort of unique opportunity to get that step closer perhaps than maybe an action figure or, or a signed photo, you know, something that was actually worn by or used in or seen on screen. There's a real buzz that comes off that, and I still get that all the time. Yeah, let, let's talk about that a little bit because, and we often wonder, and because this this podcast obviously covers the uh, the Christopher Reeve legacy of Superman, but how helpful is it for a guy like you, and this is your business, that you are closer to Pinewood Studios or Shepperton's than, than we are? Yeah, I, th I think that just naturally uh, has given me an opportunity, certainly in the early years of Prop Store, to um, locate, to track down, to acquire. You know, let's face it, I was doing this pre-internet. So back then, it was all about legwork. It was about getting on the phone. It was about trying to get introduced to crew members. It was getting their phone number, then getting introduced to somebody else, then driving to see them. You know, we weren't sending emails backwards and forwards with photos attached to them and just pinging people off IMDb. You know, there was a lot more legwork involved with it. And I think, for me... You know, that I, everybody talks about a golden era in a lot of in industries and, and during a lot of generations, you talk about golden eras of filmmaking or golden eras of, of productivity or whatever it might be. For me, those early days were really the golden era of discovery because nobody was really paying attention to this stuff. There was no value attributed to it at all. It was all just a byproduct of the movie making process. And, you know, uh, Jim, that stuff that, that you ended up with, I remember it uh, coming out very specifically because they were redeveloping part of Pinewood Studios and they wanted to build a new office block in there and new production offices in there. And uh, there was a, a bunch of old containers just sitting there that had been locked up for 20 years, not doing anything. And um, they cracked them open and then they phoned up a hire company and said, hey, guys, you interested in all this Superman stuff we've just uncovered? We have no idea who owns it. It's been left. It's been discarded. It's, you know, nobody's paying rent for it. Um, we've got to get it out of here because we're building a new facility. And I went over to see him and, you know, on the table here in front of me. And, and for those of you who are just listening in, you know, I've got three uh, uh, Superman newspapers. Now, you know, going back to the time that I was first chatting with you, Jim, in, in the mid late 90s, you know, I remember having a pile of White House surrenders newspapers that must have been like 30, 40 thick. And I was selling them for around, you know, 100 pounds, 150 pounds or something like that. Today, these sell for, you know, 1500 pounds or, or, or and sometimes in some cases we've seen them sell for a lot more and um you know it's it's phenomenal to see the appreciation in value but also just step back and remember where this stuff first came from and how it came out and and that whole part of it so so i think jay going back to your question i think yeah i mean for uk productions and you know 
Superman, Star Wars, the, the, the first Batman, Alien, Aliens, you know, all being made in the UK has meant that there has been content around here for me to find. And I think the, the hobby is a little bit later here. You know, we're a little bit behind the US. I think the, the benchmark sale in the US was the MGM sale in 1970, where suddenly everybody was like, whoa, ruby slippers are coming up for sale. Hmm. And then everybody's like, wow, you can collect this stuff. So I think you guys were, you know, 10, 20 years ahead of us with that. So, you know, I had an opportunity there where nobody else was looking. So I got lucky. Well, it really is a miracle, Stephen, that so much of this was saved and not discarded, particularly continuity material like what I acquired. Uh, you know, there, there's no more use for it after the film wraps and, and why keep it? You know, they're notebooks and pieces of paper with uh, with staples and uh, continuity Polaroids. I mean, what? why keep it? And it is uh, truly amazing that we were able to save all of this. And I thank you for uh, an important part of all of that, because I know the fans cherish seeing what it took to bring these difficult films to to the screen. And all the challenges and, and the breakthroughs that they were making in special effects and, and all of the, uh, the physical effects and all of the things that these very talented British uh, crew members uh, accomplished uh, for all these films we love so much. Oh, well, you know, as I said, I, I love it. I get as much enjoyment out of you guys do owning it. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a big part of my life. It's become my life. You know, it was a hobby for me that just went madly out of control, really. You know, back when I started, it was just, you know, finding bits and pieces at um, toy collectors fairs and, you know, what we would call car boot sales, you guys call flea markets, you know, it was mm -hmm. just, there was, there was no place to go and buy anything like this. So it was just, you know, as I say, the right time, the right place, and then sort of understanding that there was an opportunity with people like you guys, you know, way outside of the UK, who were interested in collecting it, but had no access. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun, man. I know I'm, I'm still loving it today. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the Superman items in this year's auction. Obviously, uh, December first and second for the prop store auction, and um, it, we'll, let's start with the big one first and foremost, and that is you know the Christopher Reeve Superman costume. Uh, if you're listening, we'll put this up on our uh, on our page. But if you're watching, you can see it right behind you, and boy, it's so recognizable. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, this you're absolutely right. This is a, a big auction for us. This is a big piece in the auction. It's a it's a two day auction. First and second of December starts at 2 p.m. GMT each day. We're doing about 450 lots a day. That will take us about eight hours. So we'll be starting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon here. We'll be finishing at about 10 p.m. Um, you can register right now at propstore.com forward slash live auction. The full catalog actually goes live on October the 29th. So that's when all the fans will be able to see all of the content live. Right now, we just got sort of some sneak peeks and uh, some trailers and things running. Um, but this is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Um, I think, you know, and, and Jay, you, you guys, Jim, Jay, you might be able to uh, uh, advise me here. You know, to me, it feels like this has more of a shimmer and a shine to it for Superman 4. And um, I know there's been a huge amount of discussions about um, the fabric that this, these particular costumes are made of. And I know, Jim, uh, you and I had a lot of co um, conversations about this um, back when I was talking to Noel Howard, who, who ran the floor at Berman's when these costumes were made, because there were so many fakes of these going back. I don't know, 15 years ago, it just seemed like there were fakes of these costumes everywhere. And I went to see Noel Howard, and he, I took him a costume that I'd just acquired at that time and, and showed it to him, and he explained about how it had been done very specifically on this weaving machine out in Germany, that uh, the only other film he had ever used that machine for was uh, Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd. Uh, right. The company was defunct. The machine was gone forever. You know, if basically if the costumes weren't that weave, 
they weren't the real thing. But I just feel like Superman 4, it seems to have more of a shine. I mean, is that a known fact that, that they changed the mix somehow in the, in the threads that were running into this? Well, right, they did. And, and as you know, Stephen, Canon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Films took over uh, filming and, and acquired the rights to doing the fourth film from the, the Salkinds and Warner Brothers. And uh, yes, the, the fabric material on four is a bit different than from the other films. It's a bit of a denser weave. And uh, our friend Martin Lakin out of the UK, who has written an extensive article about it, uh, has talked about that the waffle weave, as he pens it, is a bit denser in the Superman four. And it does seem to have more of a shimmer than the other uh, film's costumes. And so it's pretty evident throughout many of the scenes in the movie. And uh, this particular costume of all the Superman 4s is uh, very intriguing to me, Stephen, because it has a unique aspect to it in the back, if you want to talk about that. Uh, we have the, the Berman's and Nathan's label that's sewn on the inside of it. Uh, that says Chris Reeve walking. Well, there's vel- is there Velcro back there? I mean, it's just the back of that looks different than some of them with a the zipper. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, there is Velcro on here as well. <laughs> well, what's, what's very unique about this one, Stephen, that I've not seen in other costumes, regardless of the films, is uh, typically, uh, as some of you probably know, the top or the tunic, which is the, the shirt part of it, is uh, sewn uh, together with the shorts. And typically the back zipper stops at the top of the shorts. Well, in this case, the zipper goes all the way down to the crotch and the crotch has actual Velcro strips in it. And uh, I've never seen one that looks like this. So the blue continues down through the red in the back. And after studying your photographs a little bit more extensively, Stephen, I think what we're seeing here is some sort of quick change costume that enabled Chris to quickly get out of it without having to step out of it with his boots on. So it's possibly this is one that uh, enabled him to quickly change out of the tunics because as you know, those were the ones that, uh, that was, those were the pieces that were most essential to looking good in many of the scenes because he would either sweat in them and cause stains or there would be pulls in the fabric that wouldn't look right when they were doing close-ups. So that's what I love about this particular costume. And also what's really interesting is the legging tag and the tunic tag have serial numbers that match. So you know that these two pieces were always together. Right. And that's really yeah. critical, I think, in, in right. the and the appeal and the, and the selling feature or the collectability of this particular costume. Yeah, and I, I think that's really rare because so many of these costumes were mix-matched, you know, both during production and post-production. We know, for example, from the suits in the earlier films, a lot of them got handed on down for stunt work by other players as well, by, by, other, uh, by other actors. So 
Yeah, I agree with you. It is rare to get that match together. You know, I hadn't really studied this as closely as you guys have with the Velcro on, back, on the back until today. Which I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. Uh, with 913 items in this auction, it's hard to, uh, to look at everything with a magnifying glass. But um, yeah, no, I love that detail. You're right. I've never seen it like this before either. Um, I'm not familiar with it. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty solid analysis of it, actually, that that's what it's been used for. So it's... Uh, and again, you know, here we are learning, or I'm certainly learning uh, from you guys, the masters of Superman, um, you know, something new about this that I didn't know before, which is, which is great fun. Well, it's a beautiful example, and uh, the, the S is, uh, is unique to every costume, as we know, because they were, uh, you know, there were variations in the, in, in the way that it was sewn, even though they used the same pattern uh, throughout all of the films. And uh, the Super Four, Superman 4 costumes also seem to be a bit of a brighter blue. And so yeah. they display beautifully. And uh, I, I love the way it looks in your room. And uh, certainly the people I know that do have a Superman 4 a tunic or costume absolutely love how beautiful it looks on yeah. display in their home. Sparkles, really. Yeah. Oh, it really does. Yeah. You know, what's nice, you've got the belt loops in here. So, you know, I think replica belts are relatively easy to come by. What a finish, you know, that would, that would make to something like this. And, and even just a bit of a red cape off the back of it as well, just to frame it up. So I think, you know, for somebody who doesn't have an example, this is a great starting point. And then you, you can piece it together and maybe just enhance it a, a little bit more as well. But I think, um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I love it. And I love handling these as well. Yeah, you've got a tunic from Superman 3, haven't you, Jim? Is that right? You're... I do. It's actually a flying tunic, which I love because it has the uh, the the buttonholes or the, the, the uh, pockets sewn into the side to allow the wires to come through for the, uh, for the harness. Yeah. Right. And it's all blue. There's no red trunks because the red trunks would go over the harness. They would be a separate piece, which I'm sure, you know, and you've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, what have you got? You, have you got, uh, you got a tunic as well? I do. I do. Uh, behind me uh, in, in, in the uh, the home office there is um, a Superman the movie tunic. It was a whole costume at one point that was um, that was donated by uh, recommendation of Chris to uh, Movie Land Wax Museum in Los Angeles. Jim and I believe wow. it is the most photographed Superman costume ever because it was on display for ten years. Uh, after it was in the movie. And we still, to this day, find people uh, showing us pictures of them when they're children standing in front of it. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to have, and and it has a rip in it that's in all the promotional items. So, you, you know, it's easy to identify as as the real thing. Very nice, man. Yeah, lovely. Looks great there on display in your, in your setup. Love it. It's brilliant. Let's talk nuclear man. Nuclear man. Mark Pillow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here he is. So at the other end of the spectrum in value, I suppose, at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about somewhere in the region of about twenty dollars to $30,000 for the Superman um, costume, whereas for Nuclear Man, I think we're talking more like two dollars to $3,000, maybe $1,500 to $2,500. Sorry, trying to do the conversions in my head right now. So this, again, is labeled. It has the, the Berman's and Nathan's labels in it. Uh, we have the, the poppers uh, up in the shoulder here as well to uh, clip the cape onto uh, almost in fact they are the identical style of poppers that have been used for the superman construction as well and this one has those sort of apertures uh, that we were talking about before jim either side here uh, which we would assume are for special effects work so this is probably going to be wire work or pole arm work or something of that order i would i would uh, consider um, but we've got the the upper tunic here and then you have the leggings which are 
obviously a separate component which just sort of rides up onto um, to complete the set together. And it looks like it would have been much more difficult to make. Uh, the the uh, N on the front and the sun are just beautifully done. I, uh, and I'm sure this would uh, look great on display uh, in, in anybody's house. I mean, look how the light hits it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's almost like this is, uh, and I'm not too familiar with the process that's been used here, but it almost looks like uh, some sort of screen printing process, perhaps onto the fabric itself. So, you know, it's quite a complex uh, piece of work that's gone on there because you've got this sort of copper color that runs up uh, the sides here and up through the middle. And then the N is more like a sort of graphite color. Uh, maybe that's more nuclear. Uh, uh, the sort of graphite sort of silvery color here as well. And then across the center here in between, it's then filled in black. So, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of work gone into it to achieve that effect and sort of give it that shimmer and that shine on the camera as well. I believe the Bermans and Nathan's tags say flying on them, Stephen. So we know for certain that this was for flying in addition to the, to the holes on the, at the hips. Yeah, so that's great. So we've got an, an example of two different styles there. It's, it's a good learning thing for anybody who's reading the catalog. You know, that's, that's one of the things we take great pride in with Prop Store is the attention to detail where we're, we're doing our write-ups and where, you know, we're producing all the uh, photography for it is that we want to, you know, ensure that that detail comes through, that the information is conveyed, that, you know, our, I think for a lot of people, the Prop Store auction catalogs become sort of Bibles of information, you know, yeah. about thousands and thousands of props and costumes that have sold over the years. At what point does the team go, some of these things, let's try to screen match them, or let's try to really find out where it was in the film, or how do you get maybe the stories behind the costumes that you acquire? I mean, did somebody else own it, or or was it found? Like, how do you talk about the research of some of the items? Yeah, I think provenance is key. It's critical. Um, Prop Store has become renowned for our level of attention to detail, our scrutiny, um, and our morals, really, because it's very easy for things to be passed off, and we see a lot of it happen. The, the research is a, is a multifaceted process. You know, we're going to start with the provenance. So wh what's the chain of ownership? Where has this come from? Who's had it before? You know, what's the connection, if any, that, that is tangible that puts it back to the production? And I think that's the sort of first step. Um, the next step is, you know, does it come with any documentation that supports that? And then we're going to go looking at the film. I mean, it sounds very obvious, but Blu-ray technology today and HD Blu-ray, um, you know, that really allows us to get right up close and personal and, and, and in many instances screen match where we're looking at um, perhaps, as Jim was talking earlier, about the stitching, you know, that is custom, as we know, for each of these, uh, the Superman emblems on the chest. And we do that in the weaves of the suit sometimes. We'll do it in anything that's of organic construction. So if it's wood, for example, we might be looking at wood grain. And so that's a big part of it. Um, and then it's really also looking at our reference library. We have a huge amount of scanned stills that have come to us from crew members over the years. We have sort of like a prop store archive that we'll go back and reference as well, which gives us the opportunity to look at things from alternative angles that are, that are seen from the lens of the camera. And so sometimes that's going to give us uh, tidbits of information. Research books we still use as well. Yes, even now we're still using books because some of those photos, those reference images have been published in print but aren't yet scanned and online. You know, once we've gone through all of that process, as long as we've satisfied ourselves that it's, it's made for production, you know, that's critical. Is this something that was actually made for filming? You know, that's, that's the first benchmark we want to get to. And then after that, it's really a question of, you know, is there a serious opportunity for us to screen match here? 
and what is the value of the garment, how much more time or the prop, how much more time have we got to apply to this? You know, when we're putting together a catalog of 900 and plus artifacts, it takes us a year already just to do that, to, you know, to do the research on every single item to catalog and photograph and write the copy and, 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 and just go on the journey of acquisition as well, you know, in the first place. So I think a lot of it is, is comes down to time and what we found over the years. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is, is that a certain percentage of things will say, yep, we've managed to screen match this, and, and we've done it during that research process. Other times we'll go specifically is can we, you know, if it's a really principal uh, garment or, or prop, can we screen match this because we know it will add value to it? Um, but other things, it's done by the fans. You know, they'll take it home and whoever buys this White House Surrenders newspaper may well sit there and spend that much more time in front of the TV or in front of their mo monitor and just go frame by frame by frame and, and look for that, that crease in the corner there that might have actually been there during production. So I think, you know, we're, we're looking at all of those different elements of it and it's a big mixing pot which then says, right, bang, okay, this is going to have a certificate of authenticity from Prop Store. We're going to guarantee the authenticity of this item for life. Well, you've had a, uh, or still do have, I believe, a full Christopher Reeve costume that uh, many of the fans have managed to screen match. And it's what we call the Topps card costume, which Christopher Reeve wore uh, in photos on the Topps cards and on some of the promotional posters. And uh, the easiest way to tell, you know, that it is definitely that tunic or that costume is the bottom loop of the S in his emblem. And so it's a lot right. of fun to, to study the movies, like you said, very carefully and see. Number one, you can often tell when Christopher Reeve did a costume change in the same scene. And right. uh, so that's, that's a lot of fun to, to say, oh, OK. And he also wore that tunic in that scene later on in the movie. So for me, I love that research and trying to determine, you know, exactly, like you said, where that tunic was worn. Yeah, I love that costume I have. It's in, it's in my office. It's opposite my desk here at Prop Store. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go very far very often. <laughs> Every now and again, I'll uh, loan it out to uh, a museum exhibition or event of some sort. But other than that, it's like, no, that's, that's staying right there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very dear to me. And that is a costume that came in from... Uh, ultimately from two, two sources. So that came from one of the stunt guys initially as a complete costume that he'd used. I think he'd worn in part three. As, uh, and I mentioned earlier, they, they went through this hand-me-down process where the Chris Reeve costumes got passed on to the stunt guys to save on budget, save on money. And then the rest of the components of it actually came out of the Warner Brothers archive. So in about 2004, I, I, uh, I, um, I, I did a deal with Warner Brothers where we had a large collection of of material from 2001 uh, that I really wanted to retain as a collection and position within an archive and find the right archive for it. Warner Brothers were hugely excited about it and we managed to do a trade essentially at that time. They don't do that sort of thing anymore, unfortunately, <laughs> but we managed to do it then. Yeah, and, right. um, and so I managed to go in and sort of pick out these other hero components um, so I think it's most unlikely, I mean, it would be incredibly fortuitous if the, 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 the full costume set I have today is exactly as it was worn for that particular shot. 
Um, but it is certainly all hero. It's all Christopher Reeve and it's all first film. And that's what kicks ass on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it's a it's a beautiful example, Stephen. And uh, I know you must enjoy it a lot. Of all the Superman movie items, would you say that the crystals are the most challenging to screen match? Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think that's a fair shout, Jim. Uh, for those of you who are watching any video right now, I have one of the uh, Fortress of Solitude crystals in front of me here that we have in our upcoming auction. And you can see as I rotated here, the way that it catches and refracts the light through the facets of the crystal. Um, and, and what that means is, you know, it's, it's a great looking effect and, and I love the way that it does that. And it makes it something more than just a, a block of acrylic that's been, that's been worked on. But on screen, it makes it really, really tough to tell what the angles are, you know, unless you get a really good close up shot the angle right during the close-up shot as well, and the lighting is right, it makes it a very, very difficult task. So, you know, there's, there's no question that it's, it's a fortress, a solitude crystal. But again, you know, this would be one where we wouldn't be able to put the time in. I couldn't dedicate the time to try and screen match that. But maybe uh, in the same way that I was told by, you know, some of the fans out there that my costume is a screen match, you know, maybe somebody else will be able to spend the time and actually match that up. The super, crystals from Superman tend to come up a little more often uh, with Prop Store. Uh, why, why is that? Were there so many of them? I mean, is it something that you, that, that are, are there more still out there, do you think? You know, it's, it's always really tough to be able to judge because more often than not, we're only aware of or familiar with what we actually have in, in hand at any one given time. But what we do find is there's this sort of catalyst. When we sell something and then it goes for a very strong price, it normally picks up a little bit of news. You know, information goes out there and people are watching and people are reading. And then what you might have is this, you know, crew member or family of a, a crew member who's no longer with us who are like, oh, yeah, I think we've got one of those, you know, sitting in the <laughs> cupboard. Uh, maybe we should phone prop store and see if this is the same thing and if it's worth a few thousand pounds. And I mean, literally last year, this is off topic for Superman, but literally last year we had a Stormtrooper helmet from Star Wars in our sale, which sold for around $200,000. And the month that sold on like a Thursday. And on the Monday, we had this lady phone up and she said, oh, yeah, my, uh, my gran, uh, she, she was a cleaner at Elstree Studios and she got given a Stormtrooper helmet as a thank you for all of her hard work at the end of production. Now, we hear things like that all the time. We're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Of course, you've got a Stormtrooper. She's like, yeah, no, she's had it in a wardrobe for like the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Just send us a couple of photos. We took her number and email, sent through the photos. And I was just like, oh, that's a real helmet. <laughs> and that's never, you know, that, that particular helmet was completely unknown to any of the Star Wars collectors in the world. And that's almost un unheard of 30 years later. So when you ask me, you know, how many more crystals there are, the real answer is I don't know. Did they make a lot for all of the films cumulatively? Yes, they did. Is it an easy thing, a nice memento for a crew member to have been gifted or taken home with them as they're scrapping the sets? Yes, absolutely. How many were played with by kids and thrown away? Probably dozens of them, I should think. And so, you know, I think we're lucky that there are that many out there and in private hands because I think a lot more collectors have had the opportunity to acquire them. And I think there aren't many people who will walk into, a, you know, if, if you're a film fan, if you walk into somebody's house who's got one of those, who won't recognize it even today, you know, and just go, Fortress of Solitude, Crystal? Yep. You know, straight away, bang. And it, and it, and it has that sort of impact as well, I think. So I'd like to say there's buckets of them out there, Jay, and we're going to be finding loads more for years to come. But... <laughs> In real terms, we're seeing so much of this stuff ebb away. You know, to you guys, you're looking at it going, they've got a Superman crystal again. It's like, yeah, but that's a year later. And it's taken me a year to find another one or for another one to come up. And actually, you know, this sort of material like this, 
it won't ever hit our website because we don't have multiples of them. It's just, it's super limited. Yeah. Well, it's like the clapperboard that you've got there. You know, you've had, I think, a couple before, but just let's think about just how rare those are and uh, how many more might materialize, particularly ones that say Donner and Jeffrey Unsworth. I have yet to see one like that, but this is a beautiful example. This is a really nice example. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's also nice about this, we've got the Richard Donner here, but we've also got the association with Derek Meddings because, of course, Jack worked under Derek Meddings. And I think for the majority of his work, he was working on the miniatures with Derek of The Fortress of Solitude. I, you know, I'm not 100% certain how much more of the film he worked on and was credited for miniature work. Um, but I think that, you know, this is this is nice because it sort of tells an additional piece of the story. We're getting a little bit more information about it here. Now, Jim, uh, here's a question for you. I mean, it's got the date on here and the shot and and what's some of the information about what's going on there. Have you been able to pin that down somehow and all the documentation you've got or what scene this might have been used for? Well, it may have been uh, I'm not it, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but it may have been uh, during the Krypton miniature uh, photography. Right. You know, where the, right. the dome opens up and the, and the surface of the planet. And of course, it's it's destroyed. And uh, and then the date is very interesting, because as you've noted in your catalog, that says, I believe, 27 October 77 and 28 October 77 is when principal photography wrapped on the movie. Although, of course, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and a lot of the uh, special effects people did come back after the holidays. So it, it, it would, it's difficult to nail down exactly what they were filming, but likely Krypton miniatures. Krypton miniatures. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's a great piece of information. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we normally see sort of splinter units, second, second units, uh, model units. They normally run a little bit longer, don't they, than principal photography. So sure. I, I don't think that, that surprises me too much. You know, they're normally going to be off working in another studio somewhere or another facility somewhere doing something very, very disconnected uh, at that point of the production process, certainly with, um, with what's going on with main unit. Yeah, again, you know, Superman clapperboards, they are few and far between, even though we've had a few over the years. And if you go back through the old prop store catalogs, you'll see a few examples. But um, yeah, we love them when they come up. They're, they're beautiful. Let's talk about Superman 3, because um, there's a great scene in Superman 3 where we see young Aaron Smolinski, who is not baby Kal-El, but just uh, an excited uh, child with his mom, who uh, Aaron has become a great friend of ours and been on the podcast several times and been here in Detroit and has done events with us. But I mean, he is is back in Superman 3 and, and you have something connected there because you have the, the, the strip of photos uh, where, you know, Clark goes in and, and, and the photo booth takes photos of him. And one of them is ripped similar to the way it is in the movie. So the question is, you know, where do these come from? And, and, you know, you have two of them, which one would a fan buy? I mean, you, the uh, complete one looks great. The ripped one looks great as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love these. Uh, you know, I mean, you're really capturing a moment right there, aren't you? I don't know. Again, if for anybody who's watching on video, you know, I'm just holding it up at the moment so you can see it. I think that they're, they're both really, really special. Um, these came to us from one of the standby props guys who worked on the film. He's had it in his collection ever since production. 
Um, I've known about them for a number of years, and uh, I, I think they're they're awesome because you know they're they're vintage prints, exactly as we used to get. I mean, I think they're still around today with the, the photo booths. It's obviously the opening sequence of the film as well. I think that uh, you have the transformation there documented. Yeah. He goes into the photo booth and out again. And it's, it's just a, such a great set of stills. To, uh, again, a question for you guys, actually, because I love learning about this stuff too, as you know. <laughs> so, I mean, do you know, is there, any, is there any information out there about whether or not this is a set of stills that Keith actually took and then they morphed them into doing something along these lines? Or is there any talk about this? He literally went to a, a photo booth and they paused while he changed and, and, and popped it out. I mean, it's... Uh... That's a really good question, Stephen. And I've never heard anything about, uh, about that. It wouldn't surprise me if Chris Reeve himself would have wanted to have taken them in the booth to make it more authentic. Yeah, uh, just the yeah. way they look, uh, being a photographer, I can tell you that they were shot with a pretty wide angle lens just the way it slightly has his face distorted in him if you look at it carefully so it's obvious that his face is pretty close to the lens and of course those photo booths are very small and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if those are actually shot at least in a booth like that as i said from the opening sequence of the film as well i think it's just such a such a great set uh, which which would I buy? Uh, <laughs> it's on a flip of a coin, really, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah. I think they they both have their charm and uh, um, appeal. So I don't know, maybe one one for each of you. Is uh, are you guys going to duke it out or something? <laughs> well, you know, I I think it'd be great to have them both. Frankly, I'd frame them together because well, the story I would tell for visitors would be, well, here's the strip as it came out. Yeah, and then here's the strip, and this is this is how Chris or Superman tore it to hand to the boy. So it's a before and after ensemble, really. Well, there we go. You've answered that question, haven't we? <laughs> you know, for fans listening, I always like to try to, uh, we want to try to educate them too, just on on buying things. And it was, it definitely was a lesson for me. And, and listen, I wouldn't take it back for anything in the world, but when you see big props that you may want, you should know that when you live here in the U.S. and they're coming from the U.K., that is something to think about. I often tell people when they go, I can't believe you have the pod from Superman 4. It's in your office. It's so awesome. And I always say, I think I paid more to ship it than I did to buy it. But 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 that is and that's not your fault. I mean, that's just, you know, it, it was something that kept me from wanting to bid on the phone booth last year because I knew that was going to be heavy. Little things are great. And you guys do a great job of FedEx and you get it and it's awesome. But big items, I mean, you got to get them somehow and you got to ship them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's always a consideration. And we try and make that very, very clear in all of our listings where we have Oversized items, Jay. You didn't read the small print. No, we I said, know. I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> my fault. I, I know. Please inquire before bidding. Um, <laughs> but you know, luckily for all of the things that we're we're talking about today, uh, is all very manageable. You know, some of the things behind me. You know, if you were to buy a, a, a droid from from Solo, uh, a Star Wars story, uh, that R two S eight. Yeah, sure. You're going to need a, a big crate to put that in to get it around the world. But you know, it's part of the consideration, isn't it, when you're investing in something like this and, and also presentation once you have it in hand as well. You know, I can see from the, the way that you've presented the pod there, you've got a lovely base for it. You know, you've thought about it. You've got a still in front of it. You know, so I think it's all steps of investment in it. You know, the acquisition is one part. Transportation is the next. Then curation after that, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, I, you know, I've spent more on displaying some props than I have on actually buying them. So I think it's, it's just part of the equation 
you're right, nobody wants to be surprised by that. But to ship something like a, a clapperboard, you know, or, or a set of newspapers around the world, you know, is, is tens to low hundred, maybe maximum, really anywhere in the world via FedEx. Um, but once you get to those big pod size props, yeah, please check with us first. Jim, I know you had a question about the autograph, and I don't know if I, I don't know if Stephen has that out, but I know you had a question about it. Well, you talked about it uh, in the catalog uh, being signed to Mark Stewart, which Mark, of course, was Christopher Reeve's stuntman in, in some of the scenes in the series. And uh, I, I just love the fact that it is a very rare photograph uh, that I've never seen. And it's from Superman 2. Do, do you have a story behind how uh, you got this photo or did Mark Stewart give it to you? Uh, I... Yeah, the Mark Stewart photo uh, actually came to us um, when I bought my, my Superman costume components from him many, many years ago. It sat in my safe for a number of years. I have the costume on display. I have never displayed the photo. And I figured it was time for it to find a new home. So um, that's exactly where it came from. And it's probably been with me, uh, I would say, for well over 10 years now, um, maybe longer than that, 15 years, 10 to 15 years. And we mm -hmm. talked earlier about how this stuff suddenly, you know, sometimes pops up and comes out. There we go. There's a prime example. I was like, oh, yeah, I've still got that sitting there. I should get it out for somebody else to enjoy. Well, that's a first. I've never seen Chris sign a photo to... Uh, a stuntman, and he was always very good about giving autographed photos as gifts to the people he appreciated on the set. So this is a very nice piece and a rare photo. So you've, you've got uh, both of those things going for it. Really nice. Yeah, great piece. combination. Um, Stephen, is this is this everything? Um, are, is there things in storage that we can look forward to next year? What do we? What, what, how do you tease us uh, after this auction? <laughs> oh, let me breathe, man. Let me breathe. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me get this one out to the public first of all. I think you've got to check out the auction catalog. Nine hundred plus items. It's astonishing what's in there. You know, whether you're a Superman fan, whether you're a Star Wars, Batman, Indiana Jones, you know, Aliens. There's there's something for every, everybody in there for all all price points, all genres, all film types. Uh, some amazing horror stuff in there as well this time. Enjoy that. Sit down, have a cold beer, have a nice glass of wine, whatever it may be, and thumb your way through nearly 500 pages of content. Let me get through December 1st and 2nd when we have the auction days. 10 hours a day, as I said, 20 hours of auctioning over two days. And then let's talk again. And I'll tell you about what I'm trying to find for you guys for next year. But uh, I'm always on the hunt. Uh, I'm always looking for stuff. We're always having conversations. And I hope that I can bring you exciting items next time too. Stephen Lane, thank you so much for joining us on the Cape to Wonder Superman podcast today. Uh, fans are just going to love all this. And uh, and you've been such a good friend. And uh, and we're just really excited to, to be able to do this with you today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, man. I love chatting with you guys. As, as, as I said at the start, I'm a real voice as well. You know, I love working with this material. I love talking about this material. I could talk all day and all night about it. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for all you do, uh, Stephen. We always look forward to these uh, auctions and and the surprises that you bring to all of us. So uh, they are definitely the gifts that keep on giving. So thank you. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I'll keep working hard for you guys. And there he goes, the great Stephen Lane. And uh, I said this in my TV interview with him, but Prop Store is considered to be one of the most trusted authorities when it comes to buying television and movie memorabilia. And you can see why. I mean, you know, over 900 items. You and I talked about this on the phone yesterday, and we said the pictures that are in this catalog are so beautiful. And he kind of confirmed they've been working on this for a year. Well, I know how difficult and time-consuming, Jay, it is to photograph 
items like these. I've spent a lot of time in my own studio photographing Christopher Reeve costumes. And to be able to capture all the detail, uh, to be able to share with, uh, with bidders is really, really essential. And his photographer or team of photographers do a fantastic job every time. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine how many hours it's taking to pull these catalogs together. But aren't the catalogs themselves fantastic to have in your own collection? You know, I can't part with them uh, every year having them. Uh, you know, I have a big stack of them. But yeah, every one is really a time capsule into not only what was selling during the auction, but just these great items. At least, you know, kind of doing your research for the future where things were. Right. And if you're new to collecting or new to a particular uh, uh, film like this film series like Superman, all you've got to do is open a few of these and read some of the details about and descriptions about some of these items. And and uh, you'll be quite enlightened by it. It's uh, we've learned a lot. We're always learning from each other. And that's what makes all of this so exciting. I was trying to figure out why November felt like an anniversary to me. And it is because November will be our two year anniversary of the Cape Wonder Superman podcast. So two years well, going strong, right? I was trying to figure out why November felt like an anniversary to me. And it is because November will be our two year anniversary of the Cape Wonder Superman podcast. So two years well, going strong. <laughs> there it is, Jay. You're right. Wow. Can you, I can't believe it's been two years already. And, and I, I got to thank you again on the air here for encouraging me to jump right into this whole podcast world, because it's been so much fun. And haven't we had such a great variety of guests, people we never expected to, uh, to find and uh, so many great stories. And I, I know we've got a, a bunch more people to talk to that are going to share with us and enlighten us with things we never heard about before. 50,000 down. Am I saying that right? 50,000 downloads. Right, right. We celebrated 50,000 downloads. And uh, that's, that's, a big, that's a big deal for us. And for fans that say, boy, we wish you would do one every week, know that uh, I think Jimmy and I are in agreement that we always believe in quality over quantity. Um, we, we don't want to just sit here every week and try to, you know, create content that isn't there. We really want every podcast to be a learning experience and, and teach you something and, and fascinate you a little bit. And we do work hard on finding new guests and new topics, but um, we, that's why we work hard on every podcast that way. Well, we really do. And we're just trying to, uh, uh, you know, bring not only actors and crew members, but also very passionate fans that know so much about these movies and uh, they, they, you know, kind of focus in on one aspect of, of the filmmaking process. Who knows who the next guest is going to be? Who knows what next piece of Superman memorabilia we'll have? You never know. Hmm. They're all, see. all questions to be answered. <laughs> we know these items are going to go to some really great homes. And we always look forward to seeing your displays in your house uh, of the items that you cherish the most. Yeah, that's something Stephen Lane really mentioned, too, that I really liked him him saying um, that he probably has spent more money on some of his displays than he has on the actual items, because how you display it is really important. And, and that could be its own podcast. But we're out of time, so we're going to run. But we'll be back again soon for our next episode of the Caped Wonder Superman podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, your number one destination for all things Christopher Reeve legacy of Superman, of course, is capedwonder.com. And stay super. You've been listening to the Cape Wonder Superman podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Jay Towers is a Detroit TV anchor and morning radio host on 100.3 WNIC Detroit. Follow Jay on Instagram and Twitter at Jay Towers. Jim Bowers is the founder and editor of CapeWonder.com, the home of Cape Wonder Superman imagery. Follow Jim on Instagram at Cape Wonder and on Twitter at Cape Wonder Jim. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.